Early on in with this company here, uh, Beaumont Technologies, we are introducing technologies to the industry that a lot of people really didn't even understand. If you've got a question, the voices of resin I hear. Plastics, the Voices of Resin, is a plastics podcast sponsored by SPE, inspiring plastics professionals. If you want to find out more about SPE, please visit for, like the number, SPE.org. But I'm Lindsay Nebel. I'm Mercedes Landazari. And together, we're Plastics. Plastics. Right on time. The Voices of Resin. Uh, so, Lindsay, you are Vice President of Young Professionals for SPE. Yes, and I'm also plastics engineer at Tech Tank in Erie, Pennsylvania. Cool, and I am a counselor for color and appearance division at SPE, and I am design application lead for Techmer PM. And between us, we've had several plasticky jobs. Um, I am a plastics engineer, went to Penn State Barron. And Mercedes just fell into this industry and got entangled. I'm still tripping. Still tripping. <laughs> so. And we forgot. We, we also have a guest with us today. <laughs> we do. Who has quite a, quite a bit more experience in the plastics industry than ourselves. A little bit more. A little bit. I mean, I would say we're almost equals, but. <laughs> um, we're, we're literally not even sitting down at the same table together. <laughs> Yeah, that, that right there should show you. He gets his own table. He's kind of a big deal. So today our guest is John Beaumont from Beaumont Technologies. Woo! Welcome. <laughs> so John, would you like to give us your background real quick? Just a, like, can you do a like a oh. paragraph summary? <laughs> uh, okay. So where do we start? Um, I also have a plastics degree, actually, from what was Lowell Tech. That's where I started my my uh, plastics career back in 1976. And Lindsay's then, always frowning that it's uh, already frowning that it's not barren. Yeah, well, it wasn't around He's got back then. Barrenness in okay, him. Okay. Of course, okay. of course, Lowell Tech doesn't exist anymore. But the, the the graduates from Lowell Tech still acknowledge it was Lowell Tech and not UMass Lowell. But today it's UMass Lowell. Uh, from there, uh, rattled around the industry for some 13 years. Um, it uh, ended up at uh, Autodesk Moldflow, what was just Moldflow uh, uh, PTY Limited back then, and in their first de- decade. And from there, uh, went to Penn State, helped start up the educational program there. I uh, was there uh, some number of years, developed some technologies, bought my technologies from the university uh, after a lot of negotiations, started Beaumont Technologies. And uh, kind of did two jobs for a lot of years um, with the company growing in the background while um, uh, rolling into not only teaching, but uh, as the in-charge role at uh, the plastics program there. And then about six years ago, retired, five, six years ago, retired from Penn State to work full-time developing the uh, AIM Institute at, uh, here at Beaumont Technologies. That is a really good job at summarizing it. <laughs> So he's probably done it a few times. This is not his first rodeo. Well, I'm still impressed. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for listening to Plastics. Did you know that new episodes appear on the first Friday of every month? It's pretty much just as good as your Friday paydays. And if you want to 
keep the excitement coming, make sure you follow us or subscribe, and then you'll see those new episodes pop up, and it will just be a thing of beauty. Well, so specifically, what we want to talk to you about today is uh, the AIM Institute and um, training and kind of non-college options um, in the plastics industry because, you know, when you think about plastics engineering, you think about either – or when you think about the plastics industry, really you think about just getting in as a tech and not, you know, not taking the college route or taking the college route and, you know – there are other alternates out there and AIM Institute is working to kind of fill that gap. So yeah. can you guys tell us what started um, the AIM Institute? And- yeah. So uh, when I started the company, of course, uh, I was at Penn State and um, and early on in with this company here, uh, Beaumont Technologies, we are introducing technologies to the industry that a lot of people really didn't even understand. So Melt Flipper was our trade trade name. But it's really rheological control in a mold. And so we, we found that our sales was really education. And then it naturally grew um, into formal classes in product design, processing, mold design, and so on. Um, and then about five, six years ago, I really saw that there was a hole in the industry. Uh, and if you look at our profile of our industry today, I, I, I typically say about... 95% of the people in our industry never planned on being in, in our industry. Uh, yeah. Mercedes, as an example. <laughs> Here I am. I'm sitting right across yeah. from you. And I, that's probably conservative. So uh, you've got a lot of people that um, may be degreed, maybe non-degreed, uh, that end up in the industry because there's job opportunities. And they really have no opportunity for foundational knowledge. So it's kind of... Um, uh, legacy practices, they're learning from people informally. Uh, there are there been training class. You can go to a two-day training class. You may even go to a two-week training class. But training really wasn't taking us to the next level and really felt there was a need for a deeper understanding of the industry, um, uh, more, I, I would say, uh, developing critical thought. And that wasn't there in the industry unless you had degrees in plastics. So these people that are acting in these roles really had no opportunity. They're not going to go back to college at this stage. They're married, they have kids, they have a full-time job. Uh, and so it was looking to develop something that was meaningful to the industry to bring it really to the next level. So that was kind of the beginning. Now, you mentioned that um, uh, a lot of people, like myself, like I'm done with college. I'm never going yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, people already have, their lives, you know, situated, they might live in a different city. And when we were, when you were giving us the tour so graciously, right before this, this, uh, podcast session, um, you were saying that the first week in one program is in-house here and then it's remote learning. Yeah. So to, to make this work, um, we really felt we need to develop a new type of what we call a learning model. So the aim is to learning model recognize that, Uh, Coming out of university and working there for 25 years at Penn State, that you can't learn in short spurts. Uh, You can can get a bunch of knowledge thrown at you, but the retention is just not there. Uh, So the model that we developed, in particular that program we were talking about, is what we call the Plastics Technology and Engineering Program. So that's actually almost a year-long program, but people can't take a year off from work. 
So the program was developed that someone would come here initially for a week. And that first week is plastic materials. So we find we feel the foundation for any program in plastics, I don't care what your job is, has to be understanding polymers. And so it's a deep dive into polymers. Uh, in that class, we have Mike Seppe comes in, helps us. Uh, there's always three instructors in any class. So it's a deep dive into polymers. Um, by day two, people are ready to jump off the cliff because we're hitting things all the way from periodic table, chemistry. Oh, look out. <laughs> I'm already like, I have panic like in my stomach already. <laughs> but but we, we, we take it, talk everyone off the cliff, say we've done this before and, and the method works. So they are pounded the first week because you have to have a foundation. You have to see where things came from, even though they don't have to retain everything. So now after a week's week, if that was it, if we tested in them, everyone would flunk and they wouldn't make it. Um, and so what they do now is they go back their home, they go back to their workplace, and we rebuild the class online. So we have weekly uh, classes where we all start pretty much from day one and we rebuild the program with assignments so they have to dive back into the books, into the, their notes, uh, and, um, so they have a pretty good indicator of where they are. Uh, and then they'll come back after the, say 10 weeks and they'll, uh, be tested. They'll have a comprehensive exam that first day and then continue, uh, to three more classes that follow the same pattern. And, um, I can attest as John was one of my professors in college, um, the exams are I haven't taken any of these exams, but I have it on good authority from someone who did take the PTE course that um, the exams are just as aggressive as they were in college. <laughs> and so I assume that most people leave that exam in tears, <laughs> or at least maybe that's just a personal experience. No, I mean, I went to a college where they didn't even have tests, so I'm like literally sweating bullets just hearing about it. Um, but so, no, John, with your, may I call you John? Yes, or, absolutely. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> um, can I, or is it too late in this game? <laughs> You're never going back. John, John would be the nice version. Yeah. So in designing your curriculum, was it iterative, the model of coming in, you know, for one week first and then doing the distance learning? I mean, what, what kind of yeah. failure analysis and prevention did you do of the actual education model? Yeah, so, so first of all, we start with a, before someone is accepted into the program, we, we do online, uh, there's uh, entrance evaluation they go through. Mm -hmm. So they'll take, a, actually, it's an online uh, evaluation. And then after the evaluation, uh, lead instructor, typically uh, uh, Dave Hoffman, who is the director of the AIM Institute, will have a one-on-one -on -one online meeting with them or maybe the individual and their boss uh, and go through how they did. And we rate it in different categories. There's essentially four key areas that we feel are critical in understanding plastics. And again, I'll say, I don't care what your job is. You need to understand plastic materials. You need to understand mold design and engineering. You need to understand processing. And fourth, you need to understand part design. And that's the actual order that we um, present the material. And it's all in the test, kind of in there. People don't know where they are. It's just all this information. They're answering questions, uh, even basic, basic knowledge, math. Um, you know, do you understand at what temperature water boils at? Uh, some of the stuff's elementary. Some of it is a little more sophisticated. But it's not a pass-fail. It's a discussion. 
So from there, should we ask Mercedes right oh. now? <laughs> I was like, well, no, but I mean, I'm, I have my fingers crossed that this is just a diagnostic and not like really like yeah. <laughs> you know to, to, to try to when when because uh, you said that this is in preparation for the the course. It's a, so, yeah. so the instructor can get the individuals up to speed so that everybody's starting at kind of a common. Yeah, place, I mean, so. that starting point is: Are you ready to come in this program or not? I mean, we're not. We're not here to do this just to get people flunked out of this thing. We want 100% success. Uh, 100 degrees uh, Celsius. <laughs> Couple minutes Excellent. late, but all right. Excellent. Excellent. Mnemonic, Excellent. mnemonic Excellent. Uh, trigger there. Or 212 Fahrenheit. I was going to say, I was going to make it go Fahrenheit. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. This isn't about me. This is uh, not about me. An audit question that it is, you'd be surprised how many people miss it. Um, but anyways... So, so we want to get a good sense of their, their chances of success. And uh, so we'll go through there. And it, like I said, it's not a pass-fail. It's a discussion. And letting them know where they're, if they have weaknesses, if they're critical weaknesses, particularly like math skills. We're not teaching math in these programs. So you have to be with a certain level. It doesn't, you don't have to do differential equations. This is fairly straightforward. But uh, you still have to solve problems. And uh, that's cool. So, I could do a differential equation. I just don't feel like it right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's not necessary. I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from there, okay. So your original question was, I you know I went off on a tangent there, but it had to, it comes that's together. Pretty much the name that's, of that's, this that's, podcast. That's this podcast. It's called Tangents <laughs> with uh, Lindsay Mercedes. So, so the first course, as I said, was uh, uh, materials. So they go through that process that I described, come back. Uh, take that exam the first day they're back. So this morning we got a group in today. They took the exam this morning. And then they immediately proceed into, after lunch, they proceed into the next course, which is mold design and engineering. And after a week here, um, we'll repeat the process. And they'll be back another 10 weeks, take the uh, process class, and then finally the part design. So that goes through. And that model actually goes into some of the other programs we've developed, right? That program is fairly unique. It's very comprehensive. Uh, it's, it's a mini plastics degree. It's a mini plastics degree. It's ANSI accredited, which is the only plastics program anywhere in the world that's been ANSI accredited. Um, so it's, and it's a fairly rigorous process that we found as we went through it. Um, but when I set up the program, I was used to going through evaluations, ABET accreditation at the university, uh, not to just set my standard, but what's the rest of the world's standards set at. So it was the most rigorous thing we could find out there, went through that, um, got the accreditation process, uh, but we've adopted that model in our processing classes. So when someone comes for processing, it's not just a uh, week or two or days through here and they're done, uh, but we re repeat that similar sort of pattern in a shorter period. Usually those are uh, two weeks here, one week on, off five, six weeks, uh, online classes, come back, finish up. And the bonus is you get to come back to Erie several times a year. <laughs> you can even hit the, the winter months if you'd like. The airport is actually delightful. I did get lost. Actually, I couldn't figure out how to get out. You can't get lost in the I did. airport. I did. I'm coming off in this interview sounding like a real dumb dumb. <laughs> For the record, Mercedes is smart. I'm just trying to make you look good. Um, now, what, um, what keeps you doing this? Ah, I don't know. 
<laughs> I always say here. I, All right, let's turn off the lights. Yeah. Everybody go home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I enjoy what I do. It's um, it's my it's my job and it's my hobby. Um, I have no plans on ever retiring. People say, "When are you going to retire?" It's like uh, I don't know. I think they're going to be dragging me out here in a wheelchair with uh, claw scrapes on the wall. As uh, but uh, I enjoy it. I think there's I got a passion for. I think particularly in the educational piece. I think our industry, you know, I, I'll argue with anyone that this is probably, and I'm talking plastics injection molding, is probably the most complex part formation process on the planet. And most people, I think, don't realize how complex it is. And so the industry's grown, grown up from the early days of injection molding, which is a lot longer ago than most people think. It was back in the 1800s. Uh, as an art, so it developed as an art, it stayed as an art, even what we call science, we, we love to use that word, science is art, <laughs> with a little bit more than that. Um, so it's very com- uh, very complex industry uh, in trying to now get people to, um, I think, understand it better, that they can advance it, because I think it's been a little bit stagnant. Hmm. With, with that, did you have... I was just going to say, I mean, we did see the 1950s uh, tiny little injection oh, molding machine yeah. you just got. I'm excited about that. And it's very similar to the ones we have now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it is not, but it is very cute. <laughs> so so with that, um, I, I I mean, you, you, you have a family business here, right? And I think yep. that at, when you're in a family business, you really have to think a lot more. Lo- it forces you to think a lot more long term yep. than others. Yep. So with that, where do you think... Um, innovation will come from if it's not happening right now where is it going to come from in the future where will innovation come from uh or how can what what will be the catalyst for it yeah well i'm not sure how to answer that um i mean it always takes someone who's going to take the initiative to and it's more than initiative i think it starts with recognizing we don't know everything so it's it's like the alcoholic right you got to admit you got a problem and not that I would know anything he, about what that. What a great <laughs> record show that he did look at the pregnant woman when he said that. I did look at Lindsay. Listen, I'm on a nine-month sobriety break right now. <laughs> but, but I think it starts there, and I think there's too many people that uh, became experts a long time ago and therefore stopped learning. And I think there's the rush to become an expert. Or people want to be seen as an expert. Uh, here, we refuse to use that term. Uh, no one's an expert here. I'd like to go on the record and say I've never been an expert in anything <laughs> ever thank you <laughs> and and uh from there you you start to innovate because you recognize you got to recognize where you are and that there's so much more to learn in this industry mm-hmm. uh so i think the innovation comes from the people who are going to start there right recognize what you don't know and and be fine with that there was when you were giving us the tour you had uh, or maybe it was actually, yeah, it was it was a plastics news article that I saw on the wall of one of the rooms, and it had a picture of you, and it said "lifelong learner" or oh. "lifelong learning." Yeah, boy, you're observant. <laughs> <laughs> I have zero idea which room it was. <laughs> that was a cafeteria. It was. A cafeteria. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. No, and I think that's the way we look at it. It's just I I'll never know everything. I don't even expect to get close to knowing everything and I think it's I think every time every time I every day I learn something I recognize how little I actually know now 
It's it's a bottomless pit. <laughs> well, that doesn't bode well for me because I still use your books <laughs> to, to, to refer to what I don't know. <laughs> so, guys, I know the temperature that water boils at. Just the Celsius, though, not the Fahrenheit. Well, we're done here. Lifelong no. <laughs> learning over. Um, so another another thing that I wanted to bring up that I saw in the lobby and was thinking about. Um, uh, your induction into the Plastics Hall of Fame. Can you talk about that? What it what it takes to get into the Plastics Hall of Fame, and and how you found out? And <laughs> I have no were there idea. tears. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was pretty cool. Uh, I'm not sure how you go about it. It just kind of happens, right? So someone nominates you, goes through a nomination process. I think they evaluate your contribution to the industry, what you've done, that sort of thing, and kind of starts there. Uh, but yeah, just kind of happened. I got a telephone call, I think once at home that, that, uh, this had happened, that, that it was notified and yeah, it was, that was kind of it. Well, I know what I'm doing for, uh, April Fool's Day. <laughs> I <laughs> hope it's nominating me because I, I'm so close to being in the Hall of Fame. I would like to, again, go on the record and say for people listening and not aware, I am very much aware that I am not close to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Yet. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> Give me a couple more pregnancies and like <laughs> 40 more years. <laughs> there you go. So close. <laughs> That's none of the pregnancy in 40 more years. Is that is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, I think that would be, I would be really innovative in science if I was. Yeah, that would be creative. Yeah. yeah. Well, this really took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> um, getting, getting back to the topic of um, family business, we, yeah. right before this interview started, we ran into Alex out in the hallway. Or I, I ran into him out in the hallway. He actually came in and was saying hi to you because you're friends Which with him. Yeah. is Johnson. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, <laughs> yes. So um, what, how did you get him engaged in the, in the business? I, wow, I, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, both he and my daughter, when they were kids, I was teaching at Penn State. So I used to, they had to go to Penn State. They didn't know there was another school at that time. Of course, I got a big discount, so <laughs> unless they were going to uh, yeah. pay for it. <laughs> so, uh, so they grew up thinking of going to Penn State. And then, uh, of course, I used to get them about going into plastics. And then Alex finally came around and said he was interested. And I was like, oh, really? You sure? <laughs> How about architecture? <laughs> so I, I didn't want to have let him down some path. He really didn't want to go. So I actually tried to get him look in other directions. But he seemed to really want to go into plastics. So he did. So, uh, which was interesting because I had had him in several of my classes, and what how, <laughs> how many fathers get the opportunity to grade how well their kids listen to them was awesome. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, and your daughter Mary, who's older than Alex, did not take the plastics <laughs> route. And no. my guess is, if it was based on how well she listens to you. The grades would be reflective poorly. <laughs> What's a, what does she do? Uh, she's uh, was a nurse, and then now she does counseling. Yeah, she has her own business doing that. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. She did Which not listen to me. Was the right move for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So, Lindsay, you had you had something about. Um, you know, with, with college educations versus training programs? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, today, if, you know, you hear, like, the micro 
you know, his whole push for like apprenticeship type um, education. Yep. And, um, you know, there's other little people that do the same type of thing. Um, but if someone came to you today and they said, I'm not sure about college or just going straight into a job or maybe doing the training route, which direction would you recommend? Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a tricky one. I try to, cause we've thought about that and we are actively starting to work with high schools. Um, and, uh, we do have an apprenticeship program, a state, um, certified apprenticeship program. And, you know, I think it was, you know, what would I recommend to my kids? Um, and I, and I think to each their own, I, 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 I think <laughs> I basically told my kids that I'll help with college funding if they don't go into interpretive dance. Oh, come on. <laughs> we have now offended our interpretive dance audience. Sorry, gang. There was an interpretive dance program in my college. That's the kind of college I went to. <laughs> I, I didn't, uh, I auditioned for that program. I did not get it. <laughs> Rahm Emanuel, former mayor of Chicago, he did, however. Oh, nice. He was a dancer at nice. St. Lawrence, yeah. Well, I wouldn't pay for that. Um, <laughs> so, so. <laughs> Though there may be a place for that, but I think it's uh, slim pickings. So I I, I look at is uh, I look at uh, technical degrees. I think technical degrees are very marketable and probably worthwhile getting uh, getting that degree. But if you're not if that's not a particular interest, and certainly there are other fields there there are programs out there, but it's a lot of money. Look at all the people that are paying for education today and will be paying for it for decades. Um, obviously, that's a big issue. Um, and there's a lot of jobs out there, a lot of jobs in workforce. I mean, we struggle. You talk to any molder in Erie, anybody who's doing molding, you can't get anybody. Uh, it's a struggle to get someone who's going to work in that technician-type job. And um, and uh, so, you know, toolmakers, right? Toolmakers have disappeared. They've fallen off the earth because everything was perceived to go to China, and I think that's the problem today is if you talk to a kid coming out of high school and say, what do you think about manufacturing? Not only will they walk away, but their parents are going to pull them away because there's this image that manufacturing has died in the United States uh, and there's everything has gone to China. But now we see that's not the case. There's really a rebirth. We see a rebirth, I think, of manufacturing. I think stuff's coming back. Uh, and there's a severe shortage now of people. And it's almost like it was by design to bury us, <laughs> scare us away from manufacturing. But um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for people and a lot cheaper. Don't worry. I will be convincing Henry, my son, and whatever this new nebel is, <laughs> manufacturing's the way to go. Oh, yeah. And they will rebel. And hate me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, uh, I also have a son named Henry. Um, mine oh, came first. She copied me. No, I, no, <laughs> I went, I used my flux capacitor. I went back in time and had, yeah. Um, but not as dumb as you think she is. <laughs> but I think, you know, because, because you see a lot of people saying, oh, my kids don't want to take over my business. My kids don't want to get involved in this industry. Mm. But I think if, if we do a better job promoting it and showing how exciting it is, I mean, my kids, I try to bring them to one or two trade shows a year and, they get to see, you know, pictures from all the places that I've traveled that brought them in uh, to some labs, and they've got to play with with a boy machine, you know. Yeah. Um, and they think it's really exciting, and they 
they say all the time, they're like, I want your job, mom. <laughs> I'm like, look out. Like, Yeah, actually, the uh, uh, local grade schools, there's a number of grade schools. Fairview is one we worked with last year. And uh, what they do is uh, they pair a small team of students with different companies in the Erie area, all different manufacturing, uh, not just plastics, even though we think that's all there is. But uh, they'll pair this small team of sixth graders, fifth and sixth graders, with a company. And they came in, for example, last year. And what they were to do was create a video based on manufacturing. The Ma- fifth and sixth graders? Yeah. Were? They oh, create a so video. Cool. It's manufacturing is cool. And uh, they would interview different people here, take videos. They put this thing together. Uh, and uh, then it gets submitted as a contest. And people vote on them from all the different schools. And... You know, it's, it's kind of a cool event, but the whole idea is let students realize that manufacturing isn't doesn't have to be the old dreg image of manufacturing of working in a steel mill or something. Sorry, steel millers, but uh, Aww, those there goes that audience too. <laughs> Pittsburgh, our, like our Pittsburgh ratings drop, like in just steering people away from us, John. <laughs> no, but I mean to your point, I've I've been so surprised lately. Some of the plans that I've been walking into. I mean, this this place is gorgeous. It's pristine. Everything's yeah, so clean. But of course, I'm I'm in a lot more color plants <laughs> where it's dirty dirty by design. But um, we got colors. Yeah, no, no. Actually, I was gonna say, um, and by, and by the way, Techmer's facilities are are also very beautiful. They're they're not dirty, but I'm saying, you know, if you're using color, it's gonna get get some places. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some of the colors on your doors, I was noticing that they're you have like an uh a, like a some arbor yellow doors, and then you have some blue yeah, yellow doors. You got some some sodic green doors. Sodic. Is that, a, is that what they are? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that or sodic? Sodic. No, the sodics, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think uh, our, um, you know, my philosophy has always been if, that you spend a significant part of your life at work and you should be able to, it should be comfortable. You don't have to love it, can't, doesn't have to be the thing you're doing for vacation, but it should be enjoyable. And uh, Hence Popcorn Fridays. Popcorn Fridays and all the, uh, the competitive events we have, the gym, the swimming. The yeah, axe yeah. throwing contest. The axe throwing contest, yeah, I lost, but uh, <laughs> I look good doing it though. <laughs> It's all that matters. <laughs> Actually, one of our interns won that one. Yeah. Those darn interns. Just like yeah. just like an intern beating the boss. <laughs> yeah, do they not realize the name of the game there? You throw the axe down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps this up. It's time for a snack, huh? Time for, time, time huh? for, for popcorn Friday. Friday. And we got candy. <laughs> On Monday. Yeah. There is candy. I did notice that. Well, John Beaumont, thank you so much for taking the time to um, to show us around and to chat with us today. And yeah, uh, we'll see you at the golf outing tomorrow. Uh, I'll be no? teaching. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. He's not allowed <laughs> after the incident. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> They'll let me back on the course. Well, we'll see Travis. We'll see Travis tomorrow. We'll see Travis. We'll see yeah. Alex. Uh-huh. I don't know. You've got a bunch of people golfing. Oh, yeah. There'll be a lot of people yeah. there. Yes. Are you sponsoring the golf outing as well? Oh, we always do. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Usually, I don't know, something about, we'll sponsor the beer. Yeah, <laughs> did, yeah, did yeah we always <laughs> sponsor the beer, and we'll have a kayak, I think, typically, oh, yeah. usually. Oh. The annual kayak. Yeah. Is it Rotomolded kayak? I think so. Of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the golf outing that we're talking about for our listeners is the uh, Northwest Pennsylvania SPE golf outing, which takes place in New York. Well, 
I had a lot of questions oh. about yeah. that. I mean, peak and peak. It's a nice course. It's a PGA course and all fancy and I don't know. I just grill the hot dogs. <laughs> And a damn good job of it. I am amazing at it. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. Before we wrap up this episode of Plastics, we just wanted to remind you to register for Antec. We're living it up in San Antonio from March 30th to April 2nd. Antec 2020 is produced by SPE and is the largest, most respected, and lit technical conference in the plastics industry. It's where classroom theory connects with real-world solutions. Plastics.